Like it's like he's just like it's just watching him. I'm like, oh my god, dude, you're like just like this evil. Like it, he really is just like a disgusting looking evil creature. And you think uh, that somewhere and, in his attic, there's an even older looking picture of Mitch McConnell. Acknowledging the traditional owners of the land from which I'm dialing in from, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. Joining me today is, we've got the full crew actually, we've got Rory, we've got Ben, Ian, and Nas. The topic of discussion today is the debate, but before we dive into that, I want to ask how everyone's weekend was. I'll start off with Nas actually. I know he went to Pennsylvania to um, attend some cocktail parties that the Democratic party was established and party was um, organized. So Nas, how, I know you had a rough weekend. I know you went hard. I know you had some interesting experiences. Why don't you share how your weekend was? Well, I barely got any sleep. And I mean, I, the I Democrats want, go hard, dude. I know. I know. Right? They think they're going to win it, right? And I wasn't, I, I wasn't aware that I was going to get asked this question. So I, <laughs> I, I what do you I, mean you weren't aware? You literally told me to ask how everyone's weekend was. So there you go. You can start off. <laughs> Yeah, so um, you asked for this. I'm editing this out completely. No, you're not. No, hell no. You're not editing this out. They just, just want to start in again. <laughs> no, I'm not starting again. Not you. Floor it stays in. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> um. Okay. Instead of introducing, okay, I have some. I do want to get something off. Um, off my chest. You know, it's re- Ian. It's really nice to see you. Um, like I haven't seen your face. So before I was like literally uh, an hour before we started uh, and I was like, oh, let me find out what this guy looks like. And so <laughs> I, I did, I did, I went on your Facebook and I started stalking your profile and I'm, I'm listen, I just, I just, I was like, I don't want to be surprised by what this guy looks. Like. I don't know if he has a tattoo on his face or his piercings or whatever. Let me just go see. You might be mixing looks. him up with Takashi Six Nine. Just putting him out there. No, I yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you, are you I sure? Not, are you sure you're not mixing him up with Jay from Clerks? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I'm on. I'm on Ian's profile, and I'm. I'm, I'm going through his. I'm um, going through some of his pictures. This guy, I I've swear to God, this guy doesn't have one. He does not have two. He freaking has three pictures of himself taking a piss at the model at, in at Austin, the same yes. freaking urinal at the, mo- at the model at the model right. <laughs> only the yes. only the classiest of establishments and and <laughs> these are not like three pictures that were like taken like back to back they're like on no, three different days they're and three had- different piss screens yes sure. exactly and I'm like I'm sad that thing analyze that. I would, yeah, like, I would like to point out and just and just defend our good friend Ian here for a second that Ian is now a a responsible high school teacher <laughs> in a su- in a suburb of Boston and is no longer taking pictures of himself pissing in a dive bar in Alston. At so least he's not publishing them. So. At least, yeah, well, yeah, at least not, no, not yeah. posting them. <laughs> I'll show you the wall later. Uh, uh, I, I do. I was like, dude, I seriously like I don't have one. And, 
forget one that I posted. I've never, no one, I don't have friends who are willing to take a picture of myself while I'm taking a piss, while I'm like super drunk or have something. Have you asked? Yeah, yeah, come on. How do you know? The worst they can say is no. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> really? So it's like next time I'm going to the loo is like, yo. I who, feel like it'd which, be worse if they said, "I thought you never asked." Yeah. <laughs> you never asked. <laughs> Not, I mean, Nas. That's how Rory and I would have reacted when we hung out. Yeah. If you had just asked us, we would have happily done it. You know. All right. Let no me problem. hold your cigarette. Go. Yeah. Go wave to yeah. that cop. Yeah. But yeah. So uh, to go back, barely any sleep this weekend. Um, I drove five hours back to New York, or like few hours ago. So I, I won't be, I won't be much help right now. Um, you've been providing all this laughter right now. What are you talking about? You started so, the episode on. So yeah, guys, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Nas is nursing a pretty bad hangover, guys. So uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so what are you guys? Are you guys having a good weekend so far? Enjoy the COVID weekends. How's it going? Oh, I did some great laundry. <laughs> really exciting. Nice. Lots of good stories from there. Nice. My nice restrictions life. are finally up. Like they increased the the radius where I can go from five Ks, which is like three miles, to like 15, 16 miles now. And oh, uh, as of Wednesday, good. they're gonna start opening shops. Restaurants are gonna be having outdoor dining. We have had two consecutive days of zero cases, which is great. <laughs> For the first so that's, time. That's hilarious. Hey, we had too. outdoor dining this whole time, and we are now in like a spike. I literally got an emergency notification on my phone, uh, and we are actually knocked down a peg on Massachusetts uh, phase three. So now we're at phase three, part one, instead of phase yeah. three, part two. It's a very confusing change. Isn't it like record yeah. number of cases in May in Massachusetts right now? If I'm not in the country. In a lot of places. It's, yeah, yeah it's, it's getting hit pretty hard, the area. So mm -hmm. like the, the obviously the coastal area of Mass where it's the most populated, but like I'm in the South Shore and all the towns surrounding me and the one I'm in are in a red zone right now. Yeah, so really? That's that bad. bad. Uh, it's yeah, there. yeah, it's pretty bad. Hospital hospitalizations are up a lot, and uh, so yeah, so uh, not a lot going on here besides just day to day, uh, you know, stuff, chores, walking my dog. Not very exciting. Yeah, pretty much. That sounds like the COVID life we're all le leading. Yeah. Rory, how yeah. about you? Anything? Anything interesting? Did you uh, blow some <laughs> shit up in the meantime, or I don't know? I don't know what <laughs> you guys do in Vermont. I went to Build a Bear Workshop. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> nothing going on uh you know uh people in vermont are are um you, you'd think that it never came through really i think a lot of the behavior i mean the mask thing is pretty touch or go i think that depends really on any population you happen to look at though um things are getting a little colder here which is driving people inside golfing is starting to come to an end which you'd be like wow you'd think those people are safe they're not shocker uh <laughs> <laughs> so you know, things are things are starting to wind down, getting a little colder. Uh, but no, not not doing anything particularly exciting. I've been one of those people who's been overcautious, I think, which is my way of saying that I'm antisocial. Uh, you know, I, I'll go hang out with friends sometimes on the weekends, do that sort of thing. Very low key, trying to figure out my Halloween plans, obviously. Um, I got my pot comedy podcast, usually do those recordings on the weekends. Other than that, you know, pretty low key stuff, pretty low key stuff. Well, I feel like COVID's got it. COVID's, yeah, COVID's got a little more, like, I don't know, I feel like we've aged a lot. I feel like mm. I'm acting like um, I should be, like, 40. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm leading a life where I'm, like, I feel like I'm way older than I should be, and it just happened in the last six months. 
But um, speaking of that COVID, um, obviously it's affecting everyone everywhere. There's mm -hmm. no denying that, which which uh, brings us back to the debate. And the starting questions at the debate were all related to COVID. Mm. And um, I'll, I'll go one by one with you. I think I'll start off with Ben today. Um, what do you? What were your thoughts on like the COVID questions and how it was addressed? Obviously, we all know what Trump's all about. The whole point is like I think the country realizes what Trump is all about now, and I think they're at a point, inflection point, where they're like, this isn't really working out. Maybe, maybe the other guy might be a do, doing a better job. Or what was your take on that, Ben? I, you know, I I think it's really hard to uh, kind of gauge at this point what amount of the population has uh any faith in anything changing positively covid wise um you know i think that there are a lot of democrats who have this like holdout that you know biden's going to get involved and the shit's going to straighten out um but i don't really think people are looking at trump to fix covid at this point as much as they're just kind of looking uh for him to just say fuck it and just and just you know go full herd immunity on it which is kind of what they're doing at this yeah, point i mean that's that in the debate yeah exactly and and so it's um you know it, it's hard to not look at it uh as just those are the two competing things is that you know biden is is looking for a solution whereas trump has pretty much just said you know we're going to stop being pussies about this and just get back to our day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. which at this point is kind of their only option from their strategy so I know he promises a vaccine. Apparently there is one that has been approved by the FDA, but you know, not to sound like a conspiracy theory guy, but I sure as fuck, I'm not going to trust a vaccine that gets <laughs> get approved in a week before election day. So The fact that Trump is making me into an anti-vaxxer, yeah. I find very problematic. Yeah, that's agreed. Agreed. I never thought I'd be a hater, but I was like, eh, I'm going to wait a little bit on that one. I mean, you just right? don't know what's in it. Like, really, precedent. I, I I question my own ethics at this point when I'm just like, oh, Trump made a vaccine in a week. Yeah, let's uh, let's all take that. Well, it's yeah. just it's one of those things that it brings you back to. I mean, what I always think about where I'm like, I hate that we turned healthcare into a business or that we turned health into politics, because this is the result is you get these such like these stupid fucking scenarios. They're like, oh, don't worry. There will be a convenient vaccine right in time for you to thank Trump with your vote. And you're like, I don't what you guys are going to announce that. It, so it's all gonna how about we just wait the amount of time we need to get something good and safe and everyone can trust and you don't tie it to your politics so that people will actually trust it wouldn't that be nice uh, no but it's a pro like you said it's a profit motive the reason why i feel well, especially US, for a business yeah i feel like one of the main reasons why the u.s was the hardest hit is because obviously that's where capitalism is you know happening the most like that's where every emanating through throughout the world from there mm. but like if you think about it from just a, a business standpoint no private entity is going to stockpile masks and other ppe f for whenever a freaking pandemic just might happen like it's just no it's not it's, a profit motivated thing yeah exactly so yep. it, and if you you know extrapolate that into the vaccine situation like it's it's gonna be another money because everyone's gonna want it like sure good business so, is scarcity and, exactly. Um, so they're but, they're going to charge people a BS, even if they don't charge people, if they even if states decide to give it to for free, mm -hmm. so, someone's going to have to pay the manufacturer. Like, it's not just going to be like Johnson and Johnson. Here you go. Here's a million vaccines for free. Nah, right. not well, gonna it's going to be a very calculated, very intelligent business move. And some people are going to make billions of dollars on it, just like every other decision that comes down where the government hands a contract to a large company who then gets to go ahead and profit from it, whether it's successful or whether it 
isn't successful is sort of kind of on the back burner. It's whether or not you can get people to trust it, whether or not it'll be marketable for them. I think that that's the one thing everyone needs to keep in mind. None of these companies are developing a vaccine out of the kindness of their heart, regardless of what they want to spend to you. That's just the way it goes. And that should be taken as a very important part of the whole discussion when you're sitting there about to stick that thing in your arm. Exactly. No, I don't think that's happened since what the guy f- that made penicillin gave it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He, that's he, probably the first ass. and last time that Fucking anything like that has ever happened. Like twenty billion dollars. What is he like yeah. a socialist or some shit? <laughs> 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 Fucking Jonas Salk, piece of shit. It, but it, it um, is. I mean, I I genuinely don't know though how many like average people really do know about you know how much taxpayer funding goes into you know not just medical absolutely. research but other other research that benefits exclusively corporations that does not end up benefiting us whether that's medical research whether that's like communications technology like exactly. uh, like mm. you know large scale wi-fi and telecommunicate telecommunications so projects yeah exactly and and yep. it's a, we see no return on it you know we see no return on it that we pay these insane amounts of money to these companies they do the research they get what they want and then they sell it back to the american people at an insane profit sure i mean it's, even it's just insane. looking at like uh, internet infrastructure we're supposed to have we, we uh, pay for all that yeah. and then xfinity owns it like comcast yeah. owns it what yeah. what's worse is we we paid out billions and billions of dollars as taxpayers years ago to get high speed internet across the country and even into and rural never got areas. It. yeah never exactly. got it never happened yeah. They were supposed to build happened. that whole infrastructure. We were supposed isn't to Comcast the most, years. Isn't Comcast the most loved corporation in America? Yes. Shut it's, up. It's like, it's, like, it's like between them and EA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, going back to the pharmaceuticals, too. I, uh, I, the argument I hear over and over again is, well, what about the R&D? What about the R&D? And it's like, well, <laughs> fuck you. I would say no. Like that. So much of that, exactly like Ben was saying, comes from the taxpayer funded programs. Yeah. I, I'd want to sit there and go. You want to talk about the R&D. You want to talk about the R&D. Let's talk about the marketing. Look at all of these companies and how much money they spend on marketing versus they spending on R&D or even manufacturing. They spend the lion's share of their money, hands down, on marketing, selling that shit. Uh, it'll be a great boon to something like Johnson & Johnson being able to make the first COVID vaccination because the advertising has been done already. So the government will do that for them. And the sad thing is, is they will still put out a ton of marketing talking about the goodwill of how great their company is for doing this thing and how they're out there to do it for you and how they care about you. Remember, uh, we're in this together. Exactly. In unprecedented exactly. times. We will get flooded. Unprecedented times. Yeah. Not a by single one of them. I, by together, I mean, you mean like, you know, Johnson & Johnson keeps all the profits. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Unless but, you um, have their stock, you're going to... But, but here's the thing, through. though. Like, we already know what we're getting with Trump. But like with Biden, mm. is it just going to be like, wear a mask and socially distance and I'm not going to do lockdowns because he also said that. Well, I mean, like, let's see what he said. Um, his well, his Trump specific the, quote. Oh, go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Ben. Well, Trump was already like or using him. the rhetoric of uh, <laughs> like, we're going to learn to live with it. He's yeah. already like taking defeat. Like, we're not beating this. We're going to learn to live with it. And uh, we can't all hide in a cave in a basement cave like Joe Biden can. Mm-hmm. And it's well, weird, the, you know, sorry. But he's, but he's got a point, though. He he is hiding in the freaking basement cave. But this like, is this is what's pathetic, though, is that this has been this has been the plan from the start. And this is what drives me insane is how little it's gotten brought up 
by by average media figures is this has always been their plan is to just mm. like not do uh, like do enough that it appears like they tried but never really make much of an effort to do anything about it and by the time that you know assuming Biden even wins uh it will be too late you know like that there's already so much distrust sowed about this so much conspiratorial yep. thinking about the seriousness of it that even if they try to do something like how how are they going to enforce it you know it, it's just it's hard to it's really hard to like what are they going to do block people from leaving state borders it's like we'll see you know but i have a hard time biden will be able to really get any sort of significant legislation done that's going to stop the spread of it it really depends on the which way the Senate goes. If he's got the numbers to back him, it's going to be one thing. But I would not put it past the GOP to be excessively obstructionist if Biden wins and they hold on to the Senate. And just because it it allows them to, in my favorite term, the optics of it are very beneficial for them if Biden wins and coronavirus spins out of control and through the winter, because they're going to sit there and go, you were so critical, but what are you doing to stop it? Look at the numbers. And you'll sit there and go, well, the infrastructure was set in the last presidency. We're trying to fight against all that. There will be no winning for Biden in that situation, especially let's look at what his rhetoric like was the during the last debate. Yeah. I mean, look what he said. He said, I'm going to shut down the virus, not the country. Biden, what he wants to do is shift. I mean, to tie it back to the debate, I saw it being very much a discussion of blame versus deflection. Biden wants to blame the administration for their shortcomings. Trump's administration wants to deflect away from responsibility. They want to say that we're responsible, but it's China's fault. Trump verbatim, it's China's fault. His main point about COVID was about who you know, he's not responsible. Who is responsible for it? Let's talk about these. And on the one hand, we we're talking about how he was, you know, we were making jokes about it before the episode started. I'm the least racist person in this room, he says to everybody, while at the same time spewing out very, very blatant xenophobia and, and sort of blaming everyone for his own shortcomings. You can go back and look at his tweets back during the Obama administration where he's saying, like, you're the president. So you 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 need to take responsibility for that stuff. And then here he is completely deflecting away. You know, he, his specific, what did he say? Uh, I quote, we have to open our country. The cure cannot be worse than the problem itself, which I think is a very interesting way for Trump to frame it uh, because that was him. That was his administration. That was everything that happened under his watch. So again, deflection, you know, he's sitting out there talking about these businesses are dying. Let's take a look at what's happening to New York City. And then to see something very a flippant response from Trump where he says, it's been like a prison, um, which is just a side note, something I'm really fucking sick of the elite in America specifically talking about how it's been like a prison this whole year for COVID as you sit in these huge fucking houses in these nice estates. It's so difficult for me to go and get everything my, delivered to yeah. you and just like, yeah. you know, especially just, considering yeah. like, look at somewhere like Rikers or, uh, here in Massachusetts, exactly. it's bad. the prisons are actual prisons <laughs> with COVID right now. And it's a complete humanitarian disaster. It's and horrible. these are people, not even convicted people, but like people mm -hmm. waiting for trial are dying. I now have death sentences mm -hmm. because of just how out of control it has gone through the prison population. I mean, you got to figure we can't even control it in the population at large. You got to imagine what it does to people in in poor conditions that are within a constant forced human interaction with one another. They don't have a fucking chance. They don't have a fucking chance. Right. Um. You know, it's and again, it's it's that same rhetoric. It's the it's the Trump deflection that that I think was the most damning part of the whole COVID discussion that happened. You know, uh, he he talked a lot about Fauci. You know, Anthony said this. Don't wear masks. Now he wants to wear masks. 
And he's talking, he's, he said something that I thought was particularly interesting. He said, he's allowed to make mistakes and he happens to be a good person. And in reference to Fauci. And I saw that as being like him saying that about him, but directing it to himself. I'm allowed to make mistakes. My mistakes don't make me a bad guy. Wink, hint, nod. Uh, I thought that was almost kind of smart from Trump in the sense that he was talking about other people and to somebody who's humanizing himself in a way. Exactly. He was talking about somebody else while trying to humanize himself. And to somebody who's not like trying to sit there and pay attention to it, it probably might've been fairly effective. I thought it was a pretty effective tactic for the debate. Um, I I think that the drugs uh, definitely were the best. No. And I think it's clear (laughs) that that Trump knows what he's doing with his rhetoric. He's not a complete idiot. He's, he is a skilled, uh, I, I wouldn't mean, say a skilled say, orator, yeah. but like a no, but he's a skilled. No, but he's he knows skilled, what he's doing. He knows he's how to fight in the mud. Persuasive. Yeah, he knows exactly. how to yeah. message. He knows how to message. He's not the guy. Le- the speech, guy learned his craft from Roy Cohen. You know? <laughs> yeah. well, he did. He learned his craft from the from like the king of McCarthyism. You know, it's like mm-hmm. he know he's not a total idiot when it comes to like getting into the mud and and turning people into just well like devolved devolved uh people just yelling at each other yes, he knows how to turn his can, I, can i just yeah. can i just say that i hate it when people call him an idiot or call him stupid because like FYI, a he's the he's he's the president of the united states all right like he he got there so <laughs> i don't know how he got there but being an idiot isn't the way he got there he's i wouldn't I necessarily call him brilliant. i don't know he's kind of an idiot dude like he's but kind he's of an idiot smart. he just yeah, has a like, specific set of, set of skill sets yeah, but he's he's smart enough to know what it's to like say when as well. Like he he he's deliberate with what he says for sure. Like if, if you listen to his rallies, like I don't he know. knows exactly what to say to who at the debate. He like okay, so just to give you an example, I watched the debate and then I watched a live rally after. It's completely two different people. Like yeah. you wouldn't believe. Oh, so I'm sorry, I'm not trying to quote him. <laughs> you wouldn't believe. <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. But he yeah, exactly. has the best points. He's got I, I the think, best talking points. I've got yeah, the best I, I talking. Think, like the biggest, most beautiful, most huge, magnificent, huge talking points. I don't think the problem is as much that he's an idiot as much as that his ego outsizes his brain. Mm. Agreed. Well, it doesn't and take so, that much at that point. Yeah, and and like you said, I think he has a very specific set of skills. I don't think they go far beyond that. <laughs> I mean, just look at his businesses. <laughs> I mean, but you know, I, I get it. I he knows he, what he's doing when he's speaking. He writes checks he with his mouth, though, somehow. that he can't cash. That's the issue. Yeah. That he's, he's really, really good at sitting there selling it, but he's just not good at following through. And when it fails, he's really good at convincing everybody that it failed, but it wasn't his fault that it failed. It and was everybody else. else takes the blame. Everybody is the fault. Yep. Everybody else is the fall guy. Sure. It, I mean, look at that during the debate when everyone was talking about the next stimulus, and his answer was Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is the person you need to be mad at. Don't be mad at me. And they went, but sir, you're the president. He went, yeah, I know. But as you all know, the president can't get everything done, which is technically an accurate answer, except for the fact that he controls the Senate. So at what point, you know, if you're saying like, well, I can't do everything, it's like, okay, but you can't even rally your own constituency. So what, what exactly are you trying to say there? But it gets glossed over. Well, and whether or not it's got any semblance of truth or, or what have you, the idea that it would be politically a, a good move on Pelosi's part to stall it until Joe Biden gets elected and then being able to celebrate that. So they don't have to pass a third mm. CARES Act as well. Yeah. Well, to that point, I'm really surprised that Biden didn't go after him more on that point to be like, look, 
the thing that people don't understand, the layperson might not understand about the bills that we write or the things that we try to pass is that both sides try to get other legislation passed in these things along with what we're talking about. We're talking about this, you know, this stimulus, but there's all these, there's all these little caveats. Yeah. That are just, that are just fucking stapled right in there um, that aren't necessarily on the table with everyone when they're discussing this particular point. Well, we need the stimulus bill. The reason Pelosi might not be agreeing to it is because of like what Ian said, all that pork that gets thrown in there. What is it? What are the other things? What are the extenuating circumstance? But that doesn't matter because that's not what the American people want to hear. And again, uh, we talked about it on, on one of the last episodes um, with uh, she was, who was she on with? Uh, with Wolf Blitzer. And he asked those excellent questions where he was sitting there being like, but where, where does the compromise happen? And her response, instead of to be, instead of talking about that, talking about the nitty gritty of why she said no, she questioned his intelligence. You don't know what it's like (laughs) to be on the ground. Yeah. You, you don't get it. Wolf Blitzer with your career and talking about this sort of shit. You don't know. I know how this is affecting Americans. (laughs) Well, and the the longer that it goes along, the more, the more that I do think, you know, what I, what I said the last time we talked about this, that they just, they do not want to be on the hook for, you know, passing one of these budgets that they, that they criticize so much and then be on the hook to uh, pass a better one after, Mm. after this all gets going, because no matter what way you look at it, the people who, you know, the powers that be that put people like Nancy Pelosi in office do not want more stimulus bills unless unless it's going to be primarily going to them. And if yeah. the Democrats end up having to pass a third one, like they're going to have to keep at least somewhat of a promise to their to their base and give some money, direct payments to people. And the mm-hmm. av- you know, like the corporate wing of the party does not want to do that. Yeah, they don't. Which is, I find it particularly interesting because you you saw during the whole COVID thing, um, you know, Trump specifically trying to lighten we'll say aid to various democratic states uh, which he actually addressed in uh in the debate where he was saying that the reason that he withheld funds was because these were um he saw it as a blatant bailing out of failing democratic cities and states was his answer um i wish he had gotten you know hit harder on on that that question yeah New York City, L.A., like these mm-hmm. are failing cities. Because really? to me, that just sounds like spite more than anything. It just be like, it okay, I mean, they're, they're significant economies. And uh, Biden had a really intelligent sort of response to that, which was, you know, I don't see red and blue states. This is America. You know, I'm not going to withhold funding. But see, I just, I, again, it's, that's the easy answer. Right. And, and time and time, my t- only takeaway from the debate really was how few times Biden really hit on Trump when he had a perfect just tons of kill chops. toss to him and could have knocked it out of the park. Like mm-hmm. he could have said like that is a I mean, maybe not to go down this road, but like that is a fascist thing to do is to withhold disaster relief to your political rivals mm-hmm. and the people who are affected by that. And I agree. I think that the problem there is when you look at the kind of swings that Biden was taking against Trump, they're all the same swings that he's always taken against Trump. It's the same shit we've heard in every one of those debates. It's kind of like what we keep coming back to. It's like, if you really want to change people's minds, 
then you need to start hitting them on shit like that. I don't know who's behind him giving him his talking points, but when you've got, when he tees the ball up like that, you got to fucking crush it. When he says something like that and your answer is like, well, I don't see red or blue fucking take him to task. Because if you said something, I guarantee if Biden said something that fucking stupid, Trump would have dove like he would have dove all over it. And he has them prepared. He has them prepared for that. But this is that this is that like Obama era like there is not red America there is not blue it's like it but it is though there, there is, is red America there yeah. is blue America and I'm not saying that like I'm not one of those like assholes that's like that yeah yeah I'm not I'm not one of those assholes that thinks that we should like pull funding from red states like it's like that goes against all the things I do care about but it 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 is ridiculous fuck yeah. Alabama yeah. what the fuck are they doing for us <laughs> fuck them. but um but uh it's it's this so annoying how much Democrats are of this like fucking obnoxious, like West wing mindset that if you just like play the good guy, like always take the high road in these cases. And it's like, no, like you gotta, like there are certain times where you have to get down there with him and like play a little yeah. dirty, but it's it, it literally just, never worked. And, and just no. being on the right side of history is not enough. Yeah, that, I'm better than you. I've got to save your complex you kind of thing. Yeah, there's so. there's this bizarre there's like this bizarre attitude where they just they, these people feel like if they're just if they're just good and righteous their whole life that just like the universe is just going to throw them a bone or something and it's just yeah. I I don't get it. Well, but. maybe we should be the first people to rip that bandaid for our listeners. Uh, life isn't fair. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, if you're a great dude all the time and you only do nice things for everybody else, everyone's going to see you as a doormat. That's just the way it goes. If you never stand up for yourself and you ever knock that dude on his fucking ass when he steps to you, you're going to be a bitch. Does that well, mean when I, I say mean, that? Which is why, which is why we're <laughs> in this. Be clear. These are not nice guys. They just yeah. play nice on TV. Of course. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. I mean, you know, but I don't think anybody the gets actual to that nice guys, like somebody the, over. The American people suffering because of a health crisis tied down to an economic crisis right now. Like they're, mm-hmm. they go hand in hand. There's nothing being addre- done to address either one of them. And even if it is, it doesn't go anywhere to fix the problem. So to your point, Rory, yeah, not a lot of nice people unknowingly are going to get crushed in the next coming months if they haven't already. Like, oh, sure. destroy Because it's going to be a lame duck session. Nothing's going to happen until Biden's in power, if he's in power. So, like, you can't expect people to just sit by the wayside and be like, oh, I'm I'm being, I'm gonna be homeless. Oh, I can't eat. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll sort ourselves out. Nah, let's see where it goes. Yeah, Doesn't that's, like that's that. not how it works. So there's there's a lot of Biden's gonna if he's president, he's he he's gonna have a much tougher time than Obama did for a couple of reasons. Obama came into it with a lot of positivity. There was a lot of hope and change and all that other rhetoric. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah, of good everyone, faith. Yeah, a lot of good faith. It was a new fresh blood. A black guy became president of the United States. Like you know, there was there was a lot. Of, like even his first uh, bill was he? he I, oh, I didn't. I didn't know. Was like, you know, <laughs> I was gonna make that same joke, and I was like, ah, I won't. Well, that's why uh, you're not the least racist person in this room. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he okay. uh, was it the Lily Ledbetter Act and everything like that. Like you know, it was like, all right, he's he's gonna go do some shit. He said a lot of good shit on the campaign trail. He's starting off all right, and then everything just. And we're actually technically still in that like going down, like negative. Like Biden's gonna come in with the country more polarized than it's ever been. 
freaking people dying from coronavirus, people about to get evicted or getting evicted, food lines everywhere, more consolidated corporate power than we've ever seen in our lifetimes, insane tax breaks going on so we know we can't Mm -hmm. fund shit, and the most obstructionist Republicans you'll ever see, I guarantee you. Yeah. Well, and then and especially and he wants to work note. with these guys. And he wants to work with these guys. Are you fucking kidding me? All right, calm down, yeah. Nabil. You're all right. It's okay. No, this is good. <laughs> let, let the, the let the hate. <laughs> let, yeah, let the hate exactly. Go. So, so Nabil, can I get can I get your take on the uh, campaign announcement from Biden that in regards to uh, court reform, he talked about putting together a bipartisan uh, a bipartisan task force. Task force. Uh, a bipartisan task force to look into uh, how we are going to rebalance the courts. So I, you know, I was just wondering what you think about adding congressional and Senate Republicans uh, on, <laughs> on, this, I, on a task force to, uh, you know, fix, to investigate. fix these problems with the, to investigate these problems with the court. Yeah, bipartisan. Yes. Yeah. You're you're, te- you're you're literally teeing me up for like satire. Like, yeah, like I, I don't know what to say to that. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, we anything I say, yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? Like, seriously. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm just going to keep getting angrier as the day goes in, on. In, <laughs> and, and honestly, in, in that's, other, yeah. that's again, that's my biggest fear is that this is exactly what's going to happen with the Biden presidency is everyone's going to think like, oh, he's doing something when in reality he's doing jack shit. He's more, he's, someone like Amy Comey Barrett is going to be on the Supreme Court and she's going to side overwhelmingly with corporations time and time again. And we're going to all be talking about uh, Roe v. Wade. We're all going to be talking about the... ACA, when really what's happening is things like Citizens United are just going to get stronger. The Janus decision, we're going to see more stuff like that come out of the Supreme Court while we're all busy talking about completely and, different things. And and just so everybody knows, like the, everyone on this podcast obviously cares a lot about Roe and cares a lot about pre-existing yes. conditions and because sure. those are incredibly fucking important. Mm-hmm. It's just that those are going to be like the right knows this. Like the GOP knows that this is the shit that that blue check mark liberals are screaming about on Twitter. And realistically they are not going to full on fucking overturn Roe. They're not going to realistically no, full on fucking just- overturn or ACA, but they're going to chip away at them. But more importantly, they're going to very openly chip away at every little bit of workers right you have. Right. And no one's going to pay attention. No, because it's boring. Because, yeah, because now we have a Democrat back in office again. So the the honor of the office has been restored. We're not going to have to worry. Like one of the pitches I was hearing is like, oh, if you don't want to hear crazy shit on the news anymore, vote for Biden. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not going to change anything. Like, well, I mean, that's not going to change anything. Yeah. It's this well, backed up brunch liberal shit, dude. That is, it's, it's, that's what bullshit. it really is all about. Is that anytime you see a person on social media, whether it's fucking Facebook or Twitter, it doesn't matter. Talking about how, you know, Biden can be pushed left after he is elected. I can What's bet his incentive? You, I can What's bet his you, fucking yeah. incentive to do that? He's elected. I can bet you 10,000 fucking dollars right now that that person is not going to say another fucking word about Biden the second that this thing is over. Not. Because they don't care. Because their entire emotional investment is just for Trump to lose, and then they officially don't care anymore. They don't mm-hmm. care about any of the neoliberal policies. They don't. It doesn't bother them. Well, it'll what give them a lot to fall back on. Is Biden going to have to move left at all? What pressure is he going to have? He's won the election and he's probably not going to run two terms. So he doesn't need to get reelected. The Democrats, yeah, the Democrats will do what they always do, which is they will pass. They will pass 
so, you know, That's social right. justice legislation that is, again, we support all of these. These are all good things, but they use them. They use them as a way of saying that, oh, look, we're doing all these good things while we also chip away at the fabric of what makes you having a, a, a regular standard of living possible. Right. Like we're stripping those away, but, but don't worry. Like all of these social connected. You yes. have people moral victories, and that's how you can take away from them when it comes to uh, their rights right. in business, um, their 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 presence in the economy. I mean, it's you can go ahead and look at say, look at look at the millennial generation very specifically. Now, this is something that's kind of interesting, and not to get super off topic, guys, but um, in in regards to what we were just talking about, you can go back and look at say Gen Xers. And uh, when they were about the age of millennials and their presence in the economy during that age, and it was something like 9% of the economy was what they represent, like 9 to 11, 9, 11, inside job, watch out. Um, but somewhere like 9 to 11% of the economy was represented by Gen X. And before them, um, you know, when it was the baby boomers at this point, they were like 16% of the economy. Millennials are three. We represent 3% of the economy. And the rest of that representation has driven directly up to that fun little group. We all love that top 1%. That's where we're at. So I think that our generation particularly needs to pay attention to that stuff, especially when Biden's talking about, you know, which what he did during uh, the debate when he's sitting there going, you know, we need to figure out how to help these people. It's like, well, no, no administration has helped the millennial generation up to until quote, this point. To quote Joe Biden, give me a break. <laughs> Which was his actual response to people talking about the, the crisis of millennials financially. He said, mm -hmm. I have no sympathy. His yep. exact words. Yep. These are the people who we think is going to push left. These are the people who's like thinks that is going to get in there and help the people who are struggling, which is younger people more sure. overwhelmingly. That's just such a frustrating response. Yeah, a, simple, a frustrating things, simple response. things like... Simple things like just foreign policy. I know we could keep harping back to foreign policy, but there's a reason why we come back to it. We've spent almost a trillion dollars on the military. So there's mm -hmm. a little bit of redistribution of funds would go a long way to alleviate a lot of the problems that the millennial generation is facing in terms of student loan crisis, not being able to buy a first home. I mean, well, how many which trillions of dollars did we lose in Iraq? Exactly. No just infrastructure. literally don't know where it went. Like think of the roads and highways when we're 60. It's going to be what roads and highways right like seriously like it's just it's 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 like not to, to quote donald trump it's a fucking mess like it is mm -hmm. right it really is and, and also and something that something that i don't think gets addressed enough is i think that there's this attitude when it comes to millennials and their future and gen x's future is there's this, this assumption that as boomers die as you know gen xers kind of become the older generation we become the middle age that everything will will kind of just you know, sprinkle trickle down to down. a yeah, true, yeah, trickle down <laughs> and that our our we will take that place and lives will be normal. But it, it they don't seem to acknowledge that, you know, the the biggest one of the biggest incoming crises other than climate change is the fact that there are millions of homes in the US that are that are a market price nowhere sure. near that millennials cannot afford. They they are at a price that no millennial can afford. Well, not no, but you know what I mean. A, very, a very small amount can afford. And there's going to be no one to buy these homes. And they, they which look is at where certain, all yeah. the equity of the boomers. Exactly. Is. It's where it's most. Yeah, exactly. And, it, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a mess. And then on top of that, there are certain institutions that we do still have full confidence in overall as a country, like, you know, statistically things like the military. Well, when you look at the military right now has some of the worst morale 
and supportive of people our age. Like when you look at people in the military, it is Vietnam level bad. How, how people in the military do not have like support for their own institution. It's, and the it's reason insane. they're there is because they're trying to avoid the financial crisis of not going to the military and getting yep. them to pay for your exactly. college, they, getting uh-huh. a foot in the door with a career. They don't want and to be there the because they're nationalists. They're there. Yeah. The patriot. Exactly. They're, there's no, there's no data like surrounding this example I'm about to give, but it is just something that like I never would have imagined even seeing in my life, which is there is a TikTok trend going around where someone in their barracks is going up to different people in their unit and going like, what would you say to your, your recruiter right now if you saw him again? And it's like literally these like 19 year old kids saying, I wish I could shoot that fucker in the face. And it's just these kids, dude. It's just these kids who just got lied to sure. about like about like the one last American institution that for some reason people still think is fucking righteous and good. I don't know why, but they do. Because that's it's why they call it when's the, the last righteous because, thing because the, the US, US military win. has done since World War II. Yeah, exactly. Basically. You know, but no, it, because we win every war we fight in, dude. Come on. We all know Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. We'll go we'll get into that later. But it, it's <laughs> you know, but but it is. It's just I I don't think older people and or Gen X realizes just how fully like demoralized uh, millennials are and soon to be Gen Xers are going to be as far mm-hmm. as far as like entering this. And it's not it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And, and oh. I think one of the most where I think some of the most frustration comes from culturally speaking, not just financially speaking, is because along with that. Uh, the boomers will look down on the millennial generation and infantilize us. They say, oh, you don't own a house. You don't have kids. You haven't lived real life yet. Yeah, because sure. we can't fucking afford to do that shit. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's like what you look at um, in direct, you know, it directly correlates back to the minimum wage. You know, you can go back to like 1970 when the minimum wage. So this, this is where the argument comes from. The boomers said, there, well, back in my day, minimum wage was $1.70 and I did just fine. But you can yeah, go ahead and, and look at a map from cents. 1970. Exactly. You can look at a map from 1970 and you can look at all the states that existed in which that $1.70 would actually allow you to get an apartment. And I'm talking about a fairly good one. The numbers are that even in some of the worst states, I mean, the the states where you could actually afford it, it was something like 30% of your monthly salary was going towards rent in these states where you could afford it on a minimum wage. There's not a single state out there that you can, on on federal minimum wage, which is $15 an hour, um, that you can uh, afford, or $15, it's not federal. That's wrong. That's absolutely (laughs) wrong. I'm sorry. The $15 minimum wage that you get in New York, um, there's not a single state in the country that you can pay for an apartment on that salary currently. A a one-bedroom apartment. I'll say that with a caveat, because there's a lot of our generation that is just totally comfortable for years. Yeah, that that lives with two roommates, three roommates. Now, the the people who are lucky- about like uh, paying their way through college too. Sure. uh, here's a stat. In 1979, it took a student working at minimum wage, which at the time was 290, 290 per hour, mm-hmm. 385 hours to pay off one year. It What's takes it, what, how many like, thousand is it now? 2300 about to mm-hmm. pay off the average college tuition now. Yep. Yeah. Which and is then more you than a person start. works in a year. And then you get to start. And that's when you get to start saving is after you've paid off that debt. And that's not even having the conversation of whether or not you're paying on time, how much how much uh, interest you're accruing. Um, I mean, that's what other life expenses the highest are, interest. like if you mm-hmm. eat or emergencies, medical issues. 
And something, oh, yeah. yeah, and something for our younger listeners to to pay attention to, looking into the future is, and you know, Rory knows how much I love to fucking bitch about the ghoul that is Elon Musk. But it's like <laughs> it's it's people, it's people like uh, Elon Musk, it's people like Jeff Bezo, uh, Bezos, and honestly, this is going to hurt some of you, but people like Andrew Yang who realize that our future, for them to realistically survive in the kind of one percent that they want to survive in, they do realize that there is going to need to be some sort of like basic lower income standard of living that will still be considered sure. like American. And it's, and it's going to look way grosser, you know, like futuristically, you know, than you could possibly imagine. But it's like, you already see these articles in these like fucking disgusting futurology kind of forums about like these like pod living situations that billionaires are already investing into. Yeah. It's and it's be people ready player yeah. one in the Ohio. And it's, and it's why you always, it's, it's be... why I always get so frustrated when you see people like talk, like praising guys like Musk because they support. Millennials are inventing they... cohabitation. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but fucking but they like, exactly, dude. And they like talk, like people always praise guys like Musk because they support UBI. And I'm like, dude, because Musk supports yeah. a universal basic income that no one can rise above. And they're just a surf class. You fuck. Sure. Asshole. It's just neo-feudalism and it's <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I mean, people like Elon, Elon Musk, first off, I mean, to, to really hammer it home for anyone who doesn't really recognize the truth, there's not a single billionaire out there that didn't a absolutely screw over a bunch of people to become a billionaire and be one who, who doesn't recognize that he didn't get there without an army of of minimum wage workers pushing him to the top people who are who are quote disposable that are interchangeable it's once workers it's wage, become, it's, it's yeah. wage theft no it's and once you become you know once you as a working class identify that you are absolutely needed but that you also you know have a you attain a specific skill set is the second that you can unionize and then you become more important and you can fight for your rights and your wages it you know history cap on Ian you'll love it you can go back and in, into you know when John D Rockefeller was was you know trying to standardize education in this country before people don't really know about education in this country it used to be a privatized education I'm not necessarily super pro privatized education but back then it actually kind of worked and it worked in the sense that the people who wanted to be educated were and I get that that's not necessarily a great argument for the lower class and that's why public education is important at the same time John D Rockefeller helped to create a system of public education which really was about creating good workers it wasn't about yeah. trying to teach you anything it was about creating a good cog that would fit into a very specific system so you could learn just so much as to do the job but yeah but that that's what also, our system is now yeah Rory. well that's what i'm saying that's where it yeah. came from it's 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 we are it's not like this magically came across like because you graduated and all you you looked back and went oh you know my education really wasn't that great as i think it was it's been a design for hundred plus years now to get you into that position they don't want you to think independently they don't want you to get a good education because the second you do the second you can effectively fight for those rights that they don't necessarily want you to have good access to because it costs them money that's where go we're on at for several episodes so, about this but uh, oh so, sure i know so, i know so guys, i don't off. mean to uh, I I don't, speaking speaking of people not wanting people to get a uh, proper education i just got a notification on my phone that barrett <laughs> has officially been confirmed as a supreme court as a supreme court <laughs> yes, justice it's a win so yeah! so you know guys lock lock your uh, lock your doors board up the windows because according to blue check twitter <gasps> they're going to burn this to the fucking ground apparently so i just we'll see. water just went down the wrong pipe you said that while i was drinking water i swallowed some <laughs> uh what you should really do is join a fucking union tomorrow yeah mm. yeah
Join a join a fucking union. Seriously, and you have the opportunity to. You know, yeah. like what do you got to lose except for everything? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon. Well, and I mean, just walk talking out. about all this too. What it reminds me of is just how little of this was actually talked about in the debates. Like we're talking about sure. the debates here and we immediately go off into that because those are the important issues. Those are These the are the things that people about. on the ground are facing day to day. No, dude, I think they, it's ta- these, Trump's tax returns are more important. Like, well, right. And these things are not talked about. <laughs> they talked very, very briefly about minimum wage. And obviously I believe that what, um, yeah. And that was actually Biden supports Biden, the minimum wage and, you know, government's, he, he supports government bailing out small infrastructure and businesses and schools, which is a great thing because his argument is that, you know, these things will do better if we invest government money into them. Shocker. See, the yeah. fact that him saying that is like, you're like, oh, it's really surprised that he said that. Like, that should be fucking that's the low bar being set right there. It's super. I mean, and especially when you that, look at how you get out of recession by stimulating the economy. Yeah. Well, and look what Trump said as a response. He said, I think it should be a state option because it's more expensive to live in New York than it is in this other state. And this thing, like, well, maybe that's Once part again, of the problem. States rights. Yeah. States rights to what? But notice that convenient shift right in the conversation. Work, people. When he's right talking about the minimum yeah. wage, he wants it to be a state's right thing. But then when he's talking about, you know, say New York City shutting down his specific, he said it was horrible. It was terrible. I can't believe they made that decision. What an awful decision it was. How stupid they were. Well, On the one hand, you tell me that. that there is cognitive dissonance going on with Donald Trump. <laughs> Please. I mean, cog- cog- cognition Maybe. is like a, is given, you know, giving him too much right there. <laughs> Any yeah. sort of cognition right there. <laughs> Dissonance comes later, dude. <laughs> yeah. You know what I thought was the one part that uh, of the whole, I mean, again, I'm pulling us, I'm trying to pull us back here a little bit onto the debate. The one thing that I thought Trump kind of had a, a hand over Biden for most of the discussion was on drug possessions, drug charges. Um, just because he he really stuck it to Biden for all of his past mistakes in the legislature mm-hmm. that he voted on. I thought that for was pretty sure. smart. Um, the one and then thing- he, then he gave him some shit on Social Security as well, which is fair. Yeah. Like I remember he's like, oh, he wants to cut it. He's been on the Senate floor saying he wants to mm-hmm. cut it. So <clears throat> which is which hard is fact. Yeah. True. Yeah. I'd say that the one thing that was really good, uh, he had talked about, you know, Trump was saying, like, you're all talking no action. But then Biden brought it back being like, uh, you know, we had a Republican Congress. That's my answer, which I was like, oh, look at Biden actually said something smart. Look at that. That was incredible. It was like the right answer. I was waiting for him to say something like that. Of course, you couldn't get anything done. Uh, you know, the Republicans had control and he said it. I was like, oh, look at little brownie points. I'm so happy. I'm going to clap <laughs> yeah. for you. You can't well, hear me. That's the like, thing, though. That's, that's didn't we have that with the public option with Obamacare? Like, isn't that the same <laughs> situation we were in? We could have done better and we didn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like that's just the past 20, 100 <laughs> that's, years. That's, <laughs> guys, I have a question. What do you think? What do you think of Biden? years in America. We yeah. could have yeah. gone done better, but we, we did it. Just, yeah. a, just a quick question. What are your thoughts on the military budget once Biden's in office? I think it's going to go up. Yeah. Like it always does. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was something that he said very specifically during the debate. Feel free. Talk amongst yourselves while I find it. Um, when he, in reference to the military, it was uh, he was he was talking about Trump on on North Korea. He was talking about the relationships that Trump had with North Korea, and how he believed that Trump was legitimizing these foreign powers. And he was talking about our strength. He was talking about in specifics to China and Russia that people quote people who interfere in our elections will pay the price. They are interfering with American sovereignty. 
Yeah, let's uh, start a war with Russia. That'll go well. Or China. Like that, is that uh, honestly what the democratic platform is? Fuck is that it, we need America. to be harder on other countries? We need to be like tougher mm-hmm. and more aggressive in our foreign <laughs> so, policy? Like what the fuck? When, when did when the have Democrats... We ever done that? T- well, I mean, I know the answer. But the Democrats have always been that way. <laughs> but when did yeah. they do it openly is what I want to know. But this is what the this is what the Democrats do. Anytime the Democrats are like close to an election win, they always have to like they always have to just let uh, this perceived independent voter base know like we're not pussies, we're not pussies, we're still going to go overseas and murder a bunch of people who don't mm-hmm. need to die. And it, and it's just it, it I I I actually wanted to ask you guys this: Have you met anybody that really is kind of jumping on board to this you know new anti-China sent sentiment? Because I have met very few people who really are buying it. I'm I'm in a bit of Republican town right now, you know. People again think of Vermont as being this sort of bastion of liberal ideology, but that's really only you know a couple of cities that sort of outvote mm-hmm. this the more rural reality of a place like this. And to be honest, massive urban centers like Burlington, he, uh, he, seriously, and you, yeah, massive. Yeah. <laughs> and you see, I got the joke, Ian. And uh, you, you, it's funny though because you do see that playing. It's a lot of people here. I mean, I I really didn't want to believe it for the longest time until I got back and, you know, my neighbors threw up their Trump flag, which is hanging as we do this podcast across the street from me. Um, there's a you lot a more bigger support. Trump flag on your door, dude. Just a a big my flag's bigger than yours. I'm a bigger Trump supporter than you and, are. And just Rory, before you fully answer, like just to just to kind of build on the question, I guess what I'm asking is, is not so much how many people are buying it, that the virus is is China's fault. But how many people do you know that really are like buying this like new like Cold War thing they're trying to sell with China? Because that's what I'm not seeing. I see plenty of people buying into the China is it's China's fault that COVID happened. But I don't really see people being like, oh, we need to we need to really step up stopping China from ex- expanding. Well, hear me out. Uh, I think that there's a you'll find a lot more of a positive discussion in that regard from people who are conservative, but also sort of watch markets because they don't necessarily like, you know, uh, the idea that a lot of business is going to China. I mean, not necessarily because they're going to make money off of it either way, but there is definitely that rhetoric, I guess would be the way to say it. Um, there is this fear of, of at least an economic supremacy when it comes to China. And there is definitely the fear of this sort of Russian, presence undermining America in whatever murky, shadowy kind of way you want to say it. Um, so it, it definitely exists out there in certain sections. It's, uh, it's, I, it's, I see it's, it a lot. I, I think I see a lot of people buying into the, the, this xenophobia of China taking over the world. I think people are genuinely uncomfortable with uh, a new world power taking hold. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes with sure. like if you if you if you talk to people from like say developing nations and stuff like that, you'll see how much of an influence China, even Australia, right. to be honest. Well, China has a lot influence. going on there. So I yeah, mean, exactly. Even on, so, like, China- India, for example. Yeah. Like they- I, I read a thing about China doing a lot to try and um, influence uh foreign education in Australia. I'm not sure if you've oh, heard yeah, too much huge. about that. It's yeah, but huge. there's a lot of like, interference there. Uh, just to give you an idea. Um, the one of the top universities in Melbourne just got rid of 20% of their workforce because there's no international students coming in. Most of the international students are Chinese students in Australia. Sure. 
And obviously with that comes with, you know, they don't live in usually in uh, university dorms. They live in the nice apartments. In. So it's, the whole city economy is taking a hit. The restaurants are taking a hit because those students aren't here. The, the, the malls are taking a hit because those students are buying all those luxury items. Um, you know, the high-end apartment market is taking a hit. So yeah, China, people people see, like it might not be very visible in America because everyone's always about, oh, America number one, America number one. Well, yeah, China's totally. a solid yeah. number two around the world. Like, sure. I that think is- just give it time and you're going to see it more and more. I, I'm just starting to see it, usually mostly from the conservative side of things, but not not exclusively. I think it's still, I see a lot of liberals who are, very concerned it is an about issue. China. It is an, and it I is think an issue. I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's. Uh, I think there's a race aspect. I think we'd be lying if we said there wasn't. I think there's a general anxiety about losing power, mm-hmm. and Americans have power, and they don't want to lose that power because no one wants to lose power. That's how it works. I think that there is uh, some red scare still happening because they are technically communists, even though they're not. But <laughs> they're like they super call themselves so, <laughs> just like North Korea is a democratic republic. But right, and, uh, there's sure. Also, or um, the United States of America, yeah, yeah. very united. <laughs> and I had the one more, they were and it was really good. Out. And we'll just pretend it was a very salient point. Uh, <laughs> i liked it what we have started to see as far as like a, a certainly from like a a cold war kind of style from china is we have started to see uh certain proxy aspects breaking out in other countries which is you know a lot of people speculate and and we're going to talk about this in another episode but a lot of people speculate that the reason that the u.s backed the coup that they did in Bolivia was because Evo Morales was selling lithium to China instead of to us. And it all comes down to that. They did not Always. like it. We did not like that. We did not like that Evo Morales was making a nice pretty penny off of China for their lith- lithium. Stretching and Evo Morales has Again, reasons yeah. for not selling to the US because we'll like we like you said, we'll get into that we'll get into in that. Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're gonna sure. have a whole episode on Bolivia. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, it, you it, look at that, you know. it's that's that's a, that's what the American military has become, though, is is sort of this a not so silent hand at at affecting sort of world economics. Well, that's not what the U.S. military has become. That has been the function of the U.S. military ever well, since we became a military power. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. I would say a little bit more obvious now. I mean, you, you can sit there and say what our reasons for, for going into Vietnam or the Gulf War was, um, at least in terms of regional security. But I think as as early as, I, you know, can you? I, I would say it's it's certainly it's taken <laughs> on it's taken on a modern it's taken on a modern version that we haven't seen before in the way sure. that they play PR you know they have a whole I'm, PR campaign but as far as like the US military as far as the public's knowledge like it was the same way pre 1940 like the or the sure. first half of the 20th century it was bad enough that the American public was like we need to pass legislation so that we stop doing all this fucked up shit in South America because it was so not supported by the public mm-hmm. at a certain point. So like, well, it's not like it was totally unknown. That's fair. And then we proceeded to get way do it worse. Anyway. Well, maybe we I would argue to do it. it anyway. Yeah. Well, I would argue that the result was we, we kind of, we slowly kind of dumbed down the general public in terms of what they knew about that sort of stuff. I, well, right. Uh, we just went from at, sending in the Marines to sending yeah. in the CIA. I'd say it, it, yeah. I think it was like a post Vietnam sort of a thing, you know, look at how, look at how active. And now we're going to send in Blackwater. So. 
Yeah. That's what's well, that's and again, we've talked about it a little bit. That's the future of, of the military is, is it's slowly just going to be you've got this certain section of the military, whatever wing it happens to be, that's going to train people. They're going to get let go and then they're going to go join whatever the the public corporate army private it's gonna be a sector corporate army. It's going to be the yeah. space force. It already exists. Who do you think the, the corporate force, army the Blackwater pipeline? Who do you think the corporate army is going to, you know, enlist? Or who? What? Like obviously, corporations are going to enlist the corporate armies to do their bidding. That's sure. what's going to happen. Like, oh, yeah. like that's that's going to be already, the function of those. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, that, it's yeah. already happening. You look, uh, at, you look yeah. at companies like Halliburton that just made so much money off of the Iraq War, and that was a construction company for Christ's sake. But if you don't think that they were employing, you know, military personnel to cover their contractors, you'd be mistaken. Uh, this is the future. This is where it's going to be. The military is going to come in. They're going to bomb the shit out of a region. And if that region is is smart enough to play ball, then we're going to send in those contractors to come in and uh, and fix the place up all at a profit. That's the way it goes. And it, and it be able, I, have, I have an idea. I think it would be really funny if we uh, every episode called Blackwater by one of their various names that they've changed it to and see how long it takes us for us to get to their actual current name, which I had to look <laughs> up because they changed their name so goddamn often. It's, All right, cool. I believe it's back <laughs> to black, though. No, it's, uh, it's uh, aca- black and black? Aca- Academy or Academy oh, is, is who a- they are Academy. now. Academy. Oh, Academy. No. Oh, they're just they're just a bunch of liberal professors who can't hurt a fly. Sorry. So, yeah. So they were uh, Blackwater. Oh, so it's actually only been three names. So we can only do it for three episodes. But it was Blackwater, XE Services in 2009. And then ever since uh, 2011, they have been Academi. Oh, no, actually, now they are. uh, It's been a merger and they are Constellus Holdings. Oh, great. (laughs) Constellus Holdings. Oh, and I believe Apollo, maybe Apollo I, Global Management <laughs> worldwide. <laughs> Prestige, worldwide. <laughs> Prestige worldwide. Military contractors uh, for your for your uh. pleasure, guys. I, I actually enjoyed talking about not the debate technically because that's what the debate should have been about. Like all the right. stuff we talked about, right. which is surprising because, like, I'm pretty sure we're not the only ones talking about this stuff or even. Well, I, think, I think just take away was that it was a pretty Meh. I think it was a letdown. I think there was not too much excitement going on there. I think Biden did better than he had, but I think that he just it was a lot of missed opportunities to really nail it where it hurts. I watched an interesting I posted it on the on our group in Discord. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch a little bit of it. It's LA Times always does like a um a poll, like a live stream with undecided voters and basically a lot of Trump voters are still voting for Trump like shock what a shock yeah yeah so it's through my mind i mean if you think of it from a policy perspective in terms of being a conservative like he got the tax breaks and y'all did all that he's he got the judges in like you know the conservatives got what they wanted so he if, did if what if was on the secret playbook yeah exactly so if you're if you can put aside all the crap that he says and then just strictly focus on the republican policy which is you know conservative policy that they've been touting for decades he got a lot done. In if you're upper middle class. You're super happy with his job. Well, yeah, I, I'm starting to become convinced that this was all part of the plan that uh, Mitch McConnell made when he sold whatever soul he did have to the devil. That is now finally him? catching he up with him the because, devil, dude. because he is he is he is, he is, he is like Mitch watching. Hands. He is like he is like watching. Uh, the picture of Dorian Gray. Like it's like he's just like 
it's just watching him. I'm like, oh my God, dude, you're like just like this evil, <laughs> like it he really is just like a disgusting looking evil creature. And you think uh, that somewhere and, in his attic there's an even older looking picture of Mitch McConnell. Effective uh at his job. And it, it's it's oh man, it, it's it really is so painful seeing how how successful he has been. Yeah. I mean, given given all that, though, like um, the numbers are showing that Trump is losing. But as Nas is always skeptical of numbers, like he always likes to say, but um, it's a different dynamic this time around. And I think we're all in consensus that we'd much rather have a Biden presidency for the next four years than a Trump presidency. It's like, would you rather pick up a dry poo or wet shit? The way I, I mean, I, I don't like know how to, to put pick it up a wet shit. I wouldn't uh, know how to. You've just been shot in the gut and it gets you have all two over options your <laughs> to get shot again. Or put on a little Hello Kitty band-aid. No, no, no. He's not really going to do anything. Here's the difference. But I'd rather take the Hello yeah. Kitty band-aid. Here's no, the no, 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 Ian, it's a band-aid that says vote. <laughs> <laughs> or, or even worse. Or even worse, going back to Biden's police reform, shoot him in the leg. Yeah. You know? yeah. Shoot him <laughs> in the leg. Shoot, you shoot, shoot him in the, in the leg. leg. Band-aid, band-aids yeah. for those who want it. Do you want to be shot, shot in the yeah. face <laughs> or yeah. shot in the leg? Yeah. So look, yeah. you've been shot and we're going to use this other bullet to get the bullet out. You're like, okay, that sounds pretty good. But um, uh, I think that's a good wrap. It's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be an uphill battle regardless. The left has always been the underdog. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like the left has what gotten left? a lot of good shit done over the last hundred years in terms of labor reform and healthcare reform, a lot of other things. You know, sure, mili- uh, opposing military power and all that other stuff. But uh, it's been etched away over the maybe the last two decades or so, especially with uh, Obama being in president and everyone just taking a backseat to being an activist, basically. You, democracy and uh, you know human rights. These aren't backseat issues. These aren't like you can't take a backseat on. You got to be up there fighting in the trenches all the time to make mm. sure the powers above you aren't chipping away as they always do. And we'll get into that in terms of the courts later on and how the courts have been completely you know corrupted through Republican dark money and how that's going to change the the landscape. But you know the fight still goes on. That's why we're here. We're, we're a part of that. Of, of course, everyone who's listening is a part of that. That's why you're listening to us. So, yeah, we like I keep always saying, we talk about doom and gloom, but it's not all doom and gloom if we just uh, keep our mouth shut. Like, we got to get out there, be boisterous, <laughs> and do some shit, you know, shake some, ruffle some feathers, like shake some people away. Like, dude, <laughs> freaking look around you, like see what's going on. It's pretty fucked up right now so let's uh let's all get together and fix this i don't care if you're right or left to be honest everybody hurts equally (laughs) you do like biden does like we're not red states we're not blue states but you know one america yeah that's the the difference the difference between the difference between leftists and liberals is that like liberals are like there is only one america and i'm like no there's two americas and i fucking hate them i just still hope that they have health care like it's exactly. just like I just don't want I just don't want them all to die, but I still think they suck. You yeah, know? I might not agree like, with you, but I don't want the worst for you. I don't want your yeah. family suffering. I don't want you to go through economic hardship. Like shit happens, and you know it needs to be addressed. Like seriously, we're in probably the. I was watching a whole documentary on the the Wall Street crash, like the Great Depression, and I don't want to sound like an alarmist, but like we're in some pretty bad t- territory in terms of those numbers. Like if you're just you look mm-hmm. at those, but. Like I Pretty said, it's a, it's a fight. It's a fight. And, you know, we came out of that and we came out of that really strong. Like we had some of the most progressive issues that were addressed at that time. And we got them passed 100 years ago. We, the, the left did that. 
we'll get into FDR's vice president, um, who was instrumental in passing all that stuff as well. And uh, in the in future episodes, as well as uh, the influence from the Socialist Party. Yes, America did have a Socialist Party 100 years ago, and it was pretty strong. Uh, we'll get into that Eugene Debs was the leader of the Socialist Party. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we progress with the show. But till then, um, keep your hopes up, because anything is better than Trump. I know I keep sounding like a freaking neoliberal right now, but... You sure do. I do, but like, come on, dude. You can't say... That he's like, yeah, I don't. <sighs> it's the difference between watching somebody try to put out the fire and watching someone add kerosene to it. I just trying to decide which one I want to see more slow burn, fast burn. Yes, uh, that's that's <laughs> basically it. So the, if the fire is burning a little slower, there's a better chance of fucking putting it out. Mm-hmm. Let's just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think, I think, I think, I think that's a wrap on the debate. That's a debate yeah. we wanted to see, yeah. but we didn't see. And we talked about everything we wished that was talked about in the debate. So with that, that's a wrap for episode 10. Please join us next time for episode 11. Um, As always, you can find us on Google Podcasts, iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're everywhere where their podcasts are. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Progrance. Wait, what is it again? Progrance Pod. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, we changed it at one point because it wasn't working out. And uh, we're on Facebook as well under Progressive Rants. And uh, yeah. If you, if you like what you hear, spread the word. If you don't like what you hear, let us know what you don't like about it. S- send us send our li- episodes to your Facebook odds. We're all ready yeah, for exactly. our first piece of hate mail. Yeah. Exactly. You really exactly. can it. find us at freedomeagle.biz. <laughs> Direct your hate mail to me specifically, please. Conservativeledger.freedom. 